Hey there, podcast listeners. My name is Bryant Manning, and I serve as the pastor here at the Wesley Foundation at FSU and TCC. We are a campus ministry of the United Methodist Church on the campus of Florida State University here in Tallahassee, Florida. These sermons that we're presenting here are designed, written, and presented for college students who are exploring their lives of faith and growing in their walk with Jesus. And our hope and prayer is that you too will be inspired by these messages, that you will learn something about the scriptures, and that you'll leave with your life transformed by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much from the bottom of our heart for listening. Our scripture reading this morning comes from John's Gospel. This is the 20th chapter. It won't surprise you that this is the resurrection of Jesus. <laughs> Early on the first day of the week, it says, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, and, and not lying with the linen wraps, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet, they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not touch me because I have not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors were locked where the disciples were. For fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Let's pray over the preaching of God's word this morning. Gracious and holy God, may your word be a lamp into our feet and a light to our path. May it speak to us and through us for the establishment of your kingdom on this earth. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts 
Be acceptable in your sight, and in your sight alone, O God. You are our rock, and you are our redeemer. We worship you in spirit and in truth, God. Open our eyes to what you would have us see. Awaken us this morning. We pray all all this in your name. Amen. Have you ever noticed that when we debate sports, there's a lot of debate about sports. Let me give you, for instance, I went to a school in Durham, North Carolina. Thank you to the woo. The darker blue, you know what I'm saying? If you're familiar, there's a, there's a rival school, we could say, a few miles down the road over in that other city. Boo! Where's Russ? Russ went to NC State. Didn't Russ do a great job? My wife went to NC State, too. There's a big debate about which basketball team is best, because the answer, I guess, was not clear enough. It's baseball season. Anybody baseball fan? All right. If you're not, just hang with me for a second. There's a big debate in the baseball world about which is the most historied baseball team. Now, listen, if you're a Yankee fan, I want you to know that God loves you. But if you're a Sox fan, like, just a little bit more, you know? There's also a big debate in the NBA about who's the best basketball player of all time. Is it Michael Jordan who can't fit his rings on one hand? Or is it LeBron James? (laughs) Olivia works for the Orlando Magic. (laughs) Although she said Kobe, rest in peace. LeBron is the number one scorer now. You're aware of this? You probably saw this on the news. LeBron is the number one scorer, and so there's a lot of debate about whether he will outlive Michael's legacy. Now, here's the thing. Michael spent three years at that other school, right? The other school, the one we don't mention, Chapel Hill? Spent three years there. There's a big debate, no matter what sport, no matter what, about who's the best, Pretty common in our culture today just to debate anything, but that's for sure true here. With one exception, gymnastics. (laughs) (laughs) Something that didn't get as much media coverage. (laughs) But in gymnastics... There might be right now an undisputed goat, right? Greatest of all time. There might be an undisputed goat, and her name is Simone Biles. She's confident enough that she's the best, which don't get on to, athletes have to have confidence, okay? But she might, she's so confident that she had a goat embroidered in her leotard. (laughs) She's so bold about it. But in the Tokyo Olympics, in 2021, she started competition, and then she very unexpectedly to the rest of the world, at least most of us who weren't paying super close attention, pulled herself out of the competition. She was favored to win four out of the six uh, competitions. She was favored to win four gold medals in the six that she competed in, and she probably would have medaled in the others as well. She's one of the most decorated athletes of all time. But what happened was... She had some mental health problems. 
The truth is that it, no matter where you are in your career, no matter where you are in your field, if you are the best of the best of the best, it does not mean that you are not susceptible to having problems in your life. And it was really cool to see her come out and say this in public because it gave a lot of people who were struggling with the same sort of thing in their own life a chance to breathe, right? It was really neat to see her do this. She, she gave a few interviews, not a ton, but in it to them, she basically narrated that when she was in practice trials, when she was doing the things that she had to do to prepare for her competitions, when she was in those moments, she realized that there was nothing she was going to be able to do to get her to the place where she could, one, compete, period, and compete safely. She felt, as she put it, helpless. It's really hard to hear somebody who's at the top of their game say that they are helpless, say that they are hopeless, like like they don't even know how to make it from point A to point B, and that's all they've been doing their entire lives. But that's what she did. That sense of helplessness, where you, you can't quite get to the next place. You don't quite know what direction to go. You don't know quite where you're going to be in the future. And that makes you very nervous. We have all been there in some form or fashion, hopefully not on international media for the Olympics, but we have all been there where we're like, I I, I don't know the next step. I don't know what happens next. So I want you to put yourself in those shoes for a second. Because that's where Mary Magdalene is. Mary Magdalene followed Jesus very closely. They were good friends. When it always mentions the disciples following Jesus, there always tends to be this like other mention, and Mary was with them. Mary followed her really well. But on Friday, the person that she followed was publicly executed in the most heinous way after being arrested unfairly, put on a fake trial. Can you imagine someone you love going through that, watching somebody go through this very unfair process? That's where she is. And then he dies. He dies on Friday. Some of the gospel accounts tell us that there's an earthquake. John's gospel doesn't tell us that, but some say that there was an earthquake. This was a momentous event. They say that the, the veil that stood in the, in the temple was torn in two, it says. that The way in which we could approach God no longer had to be veiled. That's the metaphor that's happening there. This is big things happening. But if you're one of Jesus' friends, if you're one of the people following Jesus, you might be a little nervous about what's next. We get to look at it from 30,000 feet. And we go, hey, bro, we know the end of the story. But at that moment, I don't know that Mary did. Friday, he dies. Saturday comes. He hasn't come back yet. And then Sunday morning, 
Interesting about John's gospel here, there are four gospel accounts of this story, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that are in our scriptures. Four accounts. All of them, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, tell the story where light is already up in the morning. It says, all of them say that it's early in the morning, but it says, all of them, all of them say, other than John, say that the, when the light has come up, or some of them say when the sun was already risen. John's, she comes in the dark. Can you feel the haziness in her life? If you've ever lost somebody who was close to you, you know some of that feeling of shock and wandering that happens. My grandfather passed away a couple of years ago, and my aunt uh, read scripture at his service. We had a graveside service, and she read scripture in it, and she walked up, and she held my hand the entire time. And as I was talking to her after the service about, she lives in a different state, and so I don't talk to her very much, and um, I was talking to her about, you know, where she was at with all this, where is she at in the grieving process and, and all this, and she said, you know, the hardest thing for me is that I just can't pick up the phone and call my dad. So many of you have experienced this. You used to be able to just, hey, I don't know the next step forward. Let me call the person who does, right? And then that moment comes when you can't do that anymore. There's a haziness to your life. There's a sense of lost direction in your life. I had a friend who went to seminary, I went to seminary with, and she pastors a church in South Carolina, and a couple of years into her serving that church, that church very unexpectedly burnt to the ground one night. Now, she had a layperson in her church who was very active. She was that layperson that you might see around different churches. We certainly have uh, a few of ours here who, who spend every waking hour at the church. They're going to volunteer for every committee and everything. I think it's fair to say that that layperson, their life revolved around the church. And then that night, she called the pastor to tell her that the church was on fire. But what she said is, my home is on fire. <sighs> Because that's the sense of losing something that you know and love so dearly. Is a sense of lost place, lost direction, haziness. So when John tells us that she comes in the dark, I don't think that's an accident. John's trying to say, look where she is. She is in the dark. She has no idea. And clearly, when she gets, she sees the tomb and things get worse. Are you with me? Like if it could get any worse, she got to the tomb and his body isn't there. And in every other moment in history, when someone passed away, their body was still where you left it. Are you with me? So what went from bad got worse. What does she do? She goes and finds her friends. Simon Peter, and it says the other disciple. Uh, the other disciple in John's gospel, just a fun fact here, kind of an aside, is always the writer John. We, we read that as the writer John. I love it when he narrates it. He tells you that he got to the tomb first. <laughs> and then if you missed it, he goes back and tells you again. He's like, the other disciple, the one who got to the tomb first. It was like a foot race, bro, and I want you to know that I could be an Olympic athlete, right? <laughs> <laughs> and she says, they've taken my Lord away, and I don't know 
where they've laid him. I mean, we're talking about the deepest, darkest place in her life at this point. They've taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they've laid him. What's neat about the narrative of this story is that uh, it could have been narrated in different ways. Matthew, Mark, and Luke sure do their own way of it. But John has Jesus come talk to her at the tomb in the garden. Jesus talks to her. You know, one of the things that I think this tells us in our own life, and this is, this is a promise that I think the scriptures repeat over and over again, if only we would listen to it, if only we would hear it. This is something the scriptures tell us over and over again, is that Jesus is going to meet you in your darkest place. And so if you've ever been through that situation, or you are currently in that situation, or I would say if you know somebody who is in that place where they just can't get out of the darkness, they just can't get out of this problematic part of their life, they just can't get out of the deepest place, the darkest place, I want you to know that God will meet them there. That is promised in the scriptures. Amen? God will meet them there. Because he meets Mary there. Even, I would say, if you don't recognize him. How many times in your life have you been in a place like that? Needed that sort of resurrection story. You needed that resurrection narrative. You needed somebody to speak into your life. And and maybe you ignored it a little bit. And it's only in hindsight that you can look back and, oh, that might have been God moving in my life. Let me encourage you that that is promised in the scriptures, and God will do that in your life. I believe that within my total soul. God will meet you there, even if you don't recognize him. There's another promise that happens here, and that's it. He calls her by name. You ever thought about how important it is when somebody knows your name, calls you by name? My children uh, are five and almost three, and uh, they catch me on my cellular phone (laughs) more than I'd like. I was thinking about this this week. A couple of years ago, Diane Sawyer for 2020 did a, um, a study, uh, a report. It was this big, long, you know, 2020 special that they like to do. And it's Diane Sawyer, so it's a big deal, right? And, and what they did is they actually, they took cameras and they put it in homes. And they, they took one family. It was one family I remember in particular. It's a mom and dad and a brother and a sister. And they, they filmed the family, I'm sure with their permission, filmed the family over the course of time and just studied their habits. And what did everybody do? Sitting on the couch, TV running, scrolling the phone. Then they interviewed everybody afterward. They interviewed the kids. I think that was the most remarkable part of this because the parents know, but they're just as addicted as all the kids are. And so, you know, we, we should know better, but we don't. And so, They interviewed the kids, and and one of the things that the kids, especially the the daughter, said 
is they said, you know what I've noticed is that I, I have to call my mom by, my na- by her name to get her attention sometimes because she's sending an email or scrolling Instagram or whatever. Double tapping TikTok. <laughs> she said, I, I, have to, I have to call her by my name. And, and Diane says, you mean you call them mom and dad? And she says, no, I call them Deborah and Frank. <laughs> Because it isn't until the moment, and when you say their name, all of a sudden, oh, I've clued back in. That's exactly what happens here. (laughs) Is that she is so far into her place that Jesus, being there, I'm sure being recognizable, isn't enough for her eyes to be awakened. It's when he says... Mary, that's when she says, Rabboni, teacher. That's the promise of this scripture. God's going to call you by name. What does it look like to live a resurrected life, live in a world where we celebrate Easter, where we, we don't let the darkness take over our life? What does it look like to that? It looks like us being a little more attentive to Jesus saying our name because it is promised over and over again within the scriptures that God will meet us there. And let me encourage you, if you have somebody in your life who needs to hear that, needs to hear that story, especially if they're not in the room this morning or in any church this morning, let me encourage you give you the courage and strength to be that voice in their life, to be the hands and feet that Jesus has called you to be by being that resurrected voice. See, the good news, friends, the good news of this whole day is that sin, death, destruction, depression, fear, anxiety, they no longer have the final word. They no, hear me again, they no longer have the final word. Why? Because Jesus steps into our life, calls us by name, and says, go and tell the others, because that death thing, that's over. All that stuff is over. We can step over that into the new world in which you understand the new covenant that I have loved you so much to die for you, but that death didn't have the final word. As the apostle Paul says, oh, death, where are your shackles? Oh, sin, where is your sting? That's the promise of Easter. And if you're in that place, let me invite you into a church here or any other church that might be able to remind you of that weekly, might be remind you of that daily, where you could be around a group of people who say, you know what? That stuff doesn't have the final word. It's the resurrected Lord who does. Amen. Let's pray together. Oh God, in the midst of our own struggles and our own darkness and our own deepness in our soul, we know because you promised that you would step into our world and into our lives. So God, we call upon you to do that for us this morning. 
Remind us of that goodness, God. Remind us that you have resurrected from the dead and that everything that ever had a say over us no longer does. God, for those of us in this room and those of us outside of this room who need those loving arms of Christ to wrap around them, not let us be, be ha- let us have of those arms, but also let us be those arms for so many in our world who desperately need to hear that story that death does not have the final word. We pray this in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Wesley Foundation and FSU and TCC. We hope this was uplifting to you and helpful in your walk with Jesus. If you would like to support us, we would love your prayerful and financial support. You can give online at fsuwesley.com or on Venmo by just searching FSU Wesley Foundation. Thanks again.